On the virtual Bible stage tonight, we want to talk about money. Yeah, it's a popular topic, and we're going to see what the Bible has to say about money tonight. It's going to be an important discussion. We're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. We welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, June 17th, 2021. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you. Good to be with you. Kyle's behind the controls tonight, as usual. Kyle, welcome to to your, to your, your, your spot there. We're glad that you're here. We want to hear from you on the other end of the line tonight at 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com or sign in the chat window to the bottom of your video feed if you're watching us live as we talk about this important discussion. And you can make this important discussion better if you'll share your comments with other listeners. Yeah. We're going, uh, We're going. well, we got East Coast, West Coast, Northern Border, Southern Border, I guess, close. So uh, we're going coast to coast and... Order to order tonight almost. Yeah, yeah, good. We'd like to hear from you. All right. Hey, before we get into our t- uh, discussion tonight, should update you that we do have a new stock of bumper stickers. We had run out of the rec- long rectangular ones, so we got some more of those. So now we've got the long rectangular. I think they're two inches tall and ten inches long, and they're removable adhesive, so they're not going to mess up your car. And then, we, then we've got some of the oval ones that make you look like you ran a 5K or something. Yeah. So. Uh, okay. Those are good. You, uh, know, you can put that round on the back of your car and somebody says, oh, look, that guy's a runner. And they'd get up close to see and then out. So it's like bait and switch. Trap. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, is that a trap or is that a, yeah. a good trap? That's one of the good ones. Well, yeah. you know, I was uh, fueling the car the other night and um, a guy walked by and said, Oh, virtual Bible study. I'm all for that or something like that. So you see, yeah. I mean, he, and so I, gave, I think people do notice them. Yeah, they do notice them. So yeah. why not? Uh, yeah. If it can't hurt, you're going to be driving anyways. Put something on that window. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, and and we've uh, the, the oval ones, we've heard of people doing different things with them. Uh, one listener put it on their coffee mug that they had at their desk at work so that people would ask questions about it. Dwight's got one on a motorcycle. Dwight's got one on the back fender of his motorcycle in Iowa. So uh, we got we get some coverage that way. So if you'd like to give us a little free advertising by way of using a bumper sticker, let us know. I don't know if they can read the bumper sticker while Dwight's riding a wheelie. I don't know. Yeah, probably well, not. Probably not. All right. Tonight on the program. All right. So tonight on the program, we we decided we would cover a topic. We've talked about this before, but it's been a good while back. Uh, and there's always some questions that come up about money. Obviously, everybody's interested in money. Uh, you know, if you think about it, some subjects would necessarily exclude some people. For instance, if we talk about marriage and a guy's not married, he's not particularly interested in a discussion of marriage. He's not a married man, doesn't intend to be a married man. Uh but when it comes to money, this is a topic that's pervasive. It, it, it affects everybody's life. Everybody's connected in one way or another to money necessarily. And so uh, it, it should be a topic of broad interest. Okay. So to our update list earlier today, we always remind you, get on our list. If you're not, send us an email at questions at com. And so our questions were, number one, I see we got our numbering. Our numbering is all messed up. Number one, what is covetousness? And what are the dangers it possesses to us, or poses to us, rather? What are the dangers it poses to us? It will possess you. Yeah. Number two, is gambling a sin? Why or why not? Is investing in the stock market equivalent to gambling? Mm. Number three, in light of what Jesus told the rich young ruler, he told him, sell all that thou hast and distribute unto the poor. Should we conclude that it's wrong to save money, to have mm-hmm. possessions mm-hmm. or wealth or okay. any accumulation of okay. money? Number four, in light of Romans thirteen eight, which says, owe no man anything, is it wrong to incur debt? Okay. Uh, and then as a follow-up to that, is declaring bankruptcy a sin? Okay. 
And then finally, what would a budget based on scriptural principles look like? Okay. That might be an interesting thing if we can get some input on that. You can look up personal there, huh? We only got a couple of emails in, one from Dwight, one from Mohan, but we got a number of people in the chat room. So uh, be sure and chime in as we go through these questions. So you mentioned this is a pervasive topic in, in, in that it touches all. It's a topic that there's an incredible amount of biblical teaching on. There's a lot in the Bible about money. Incredible amount. We may overlook that at times. Yeah. All right. Not so, tonight. So the first question is, what is covetousness? You know, that's a word that is typically reserved only to discussions in church. You know, that's a church word, covetousness. We don't use that in normal everyday conversation. But quite literally, the the word covetousness suggests an inordinate desire for money and the money and the things that money can acquire. Yeah. And now I think a key word in that definition is inordinate, out of bounds, and uh, too much. You know, uh, a, a, a extreme emphasis on money and the things that money can buy. There's a, there's a lot of warnings. Uh, in the scriptures about covetousness, but again, we got to understand the meaning of the word. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12 at verse 15, take heed, he says, Luke 12, 15, take heed and beware of covetousness for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. So right there, Jesus sort of gave an explanation of what covetousness is. A covetous man imagines that his life consist of the things which he possesses. So a covetous man views life purely from money, things money can buy. That's all he that's all he does, or he does it too much. That's the emphasis of his thinking. I think that's probably a pretty good working definition of covetousness. Well you can also understand the definition of words based upon things that are placed in opposition to them. And Hebrews thirteen verse five gives us a good opposite definition of or gives us the opposite of what covetousness is hebrews 13 verse 5 let your conversation be without covetousness okay so what does that look like it says and be content with such things as you have so contentment is closely associated with this idea of covetous the idea of not being covetous so covetousness is the opposite of contentment right is what you're saying i think that's that's right um in colossians 3 at verse 5 Paul says, mortify, or we would just say, put to death, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. So get rid of, put away, get get this out of your life. And he mentions fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Now, we could probably spend some time defining several of those terms in that verse, but I'm just focusing on get rid of, mortify, put out of your life, covetousness, he says it is idolatry. Now, if you think about that, I think that's kind of an interesting idea, too, when you think of covetousness. What is an idol? Well, it's something that I worship instead of God. I worship the idol instead of God. So if I had a, a physical idol that I had constructed, I was worshiping it, not worshiping God. Idolatry has always been condemned throughout all the time. Paul is suggesting that money might become my idol. I might worship it instead of God. So covetousness is like that. Yeah, absolutely. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. And we can see that, uh, that, that how covetousness could turn into idolatry where you're serving that and it's uh, driving you. Uh, and you think that it is uh, that more things are what you need in order to be happy to have uh, the fulfilled life that you need. Grant and Janie in the chat room suggest this definition, a greedy desire to have more. Exactly. Yeah, okay. exactly right. Mohan in Illinois says covetousness is wanting something which God does not want you to have. Sometimes we think too, so much about wanting something that gets in our way and serving God. Okay. I like that. I do, I, especially that last part. It gets in our way of serving God because yeah. we're we're chasing after money and therefore we're neglecting our service to god dwight in the in his email tonight said covetousness is defined by strongs and thayers as greedy desire to have more and greediness this is not limited to money but can be possessions any other uh, another person and money 
Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3 says, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. If we are covetous, our souls are in danger. Covetousness is right in there with murder, wickedness, fornication, etc. And these practices will cost us our souls. Romans 1, verse 29. Yeah. And, and Dwight got to the second point of that question. What are the dangers that covetousness poses to us? I might reference in, in answer to that, what are the dangers? So what's the big deal about covetous, what, covetousness? Why is it such a danger? I might reference what Jesus said uh, uh, in Matthew 6 in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, lay not up treasure for yourself upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Notice it. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And then in verse 23, he says, uh, excuse me, verse 24. This is Matthew 6. At verse 24, he says, No man can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So if I, if if my focus, my great desire is for money and the things that money possesses, then that's where my treasure is. My treasure is not in godly things. And and Jesus said you can't serve both. You, you can't serve God and money. You're going to have to decide which one is your priority. And so the great, great danger of covetousness is that it changes our priority outlook and, and we begin to we begin to misappropriate uh, or or wrongly prioritize our desire for money. Do you think covetousness is one of those socially acceptable sins that we don't really necessarily look our no- down our nose at very much? You know, you know, and maybe it's in my life a little bit. Man, that's okay. I do uh, because I think I think we live in such a materialistic society. Well, so you're getting you're, so, so you're working hard. You, you I mean you're you're giving up other things so you can make more money. But well, that's that's the sign of success, man. You're a success. Oh, so what did you neglect your family in order to make more money? Uh, so what did you almost never show up at church because you're making money? But that's a commendable thing in our day and time. In our materialistic society, a, a, we would even use the expression, that guy is driven. Yeah. He's driven to succeed. Yeah. And success is measured by how much money he makes. And so it's it's in in the eyes of society, it's all good. Yeah, and I like the that that verse that uh, that Dwight brought to our attention, Romans one, in the picture of of how decrepit the people were, had become, how how uh, debased they had become. Covetousness thrown right in there with yeah. all of those wicked things, and how they had thumbed their nose at God and had become utterly wicked. They're covetous, and so that's that's how serious this is in our lives, and we got to make sure that it's not there. I think probably another passage you just got to put into this mix is uh, in First Timothy chapter six. Uh, again, notice uh, verse, uh, this is First Timothy six verse six. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Well, we just said covetousness is the opposite of contentment. Yes. So godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Well, there's the form of the word. They coveted after money. Yeah. And, uh, and you don't have to be rich, in, according to that passage. Right. That, that idea of covetousness is they want to be rich. They right. will be rich. Yeah. Uh, and so poor people, uh, dirt poor people can still be guilty I'm, of this sin. I, I, listen, I'm not covetous. I don't have – I have got two dimes to rub together. Poor. There's no way that I'm covetous. No. That verse says all you have to do is have the desire. You don't have to have any money. You just have to have the inordinate desire for money. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. It's time for a break. When we get back, you're going to talk about gambling? What are you talking about here? Yeah, let's talk a little bit about gambling. That's obviously a money matter. Talk about gambling. Is it a sin? And one that I think is kind of interesting because you hear people making a correlation between stock market investing and I've known Christians say, well, that's just a form of gambling. 
Let's, let's talk about that. All right. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. Here's some quotes worth pondering. A half-truth is a whole lie. A man devoid of religion is like a horse without a bridle. Unless we think of others and do something for them, we miss one of the greatest sources of happiness. If you want children to keep their feet on the ground, put some responsibility on their shoulders. Man, wish I'd said that. Here's a quick thought. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Matthew 7, verse 12. The golden rule. Jesus said this and lived it. Would you determine to follow after Jesus? Then treat everyone with agape love, looking out for the other's best interests. Seize the day. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the program talking about money and what the scriptures tell us about it. It's a dangerous thing, this idea of covetousness. It is a sin. It is equated to with idolatry. Um, it will send uh, souls to hell. And it is prevalent in our society. And is it prevalent in my life? I need to check that up and yeah. make sure that I've got the right outlook. Would you would you agree that this is probably a thing that we need? To, first of all, we need to constantly judge ourselves, and and we can improve. This is not a. This is not a. I think probably not an either or. I, you know, it's not a either you have covetousness or you absolutely don't have covetousness. I I would picture this as more of a spectrum thing, and I'm someplace on that spectrum, and I need to keep moving to the end of the spectrum that that devalues worldly possessions as a priority. Absolutely. Uh, and, but but the devil in our society is going to keep whispering in our ear, you need more. Wouldn't it be nice to have that? What, imagine yourself in that car if you lived in that neighborhood. More, more, more. And we've got to make sure that we're not listening to those voices. Ethan in Indiana puts in a verse that I love on this subject. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10, One who loves money will not be satisfied with money nor one who loves abundance with its income. This, too, is futility. Boy, you ever seen that in your life? I mean, and, uh, who, who has who, who, who had today has more than they've ever had before? And are you, most of us do. Most, most people, that's the trajectory. Are you happy? You say yeah. enough's enough? What I really like about that verse in Ecclesiastes is written by potentially the richest man who ever lived in the, in the history of time. Yeah. And, and so Solomon was particularly qualified to comment on that reality and he says you're not going to be satisfied with money yeah. he wasn't yeah uh so if you put your heart on that and you say oh well i got to get to this number get that number you'll want another a bigger number yeah yeah, yeah. all right all right so let's talk a minute about gambling uh that's a topic that we have covered pretty thoroughly on the virtual bible study in the past so we maybe won't have to dive into it super deep you remember several years ago jacob when uh, there was, they were voting here in Tennessee as, as to whether or not to establish a state lottery. Yep. And we talked a lot about it in that in that time frame about the the problems of gambling, the sin of gambling. And uh, uh, but they here's here's this maybe illustrates what we were talking about before. We sort of it, we sort of get used to it. It, it kind of we kind of grow callous to it, you know. So a lot of people were really up in the arms about a state lottery here in Tennessee several years ago. Now, it's never mentioned. It's just a, it's just a given. Well, and it used to be illegal to bet on sports. They've just made that legal. And it's uh, look how rampant it is. Though. Yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah. Uh, so yes, it, it was. Is it a problem though? Is it maybe we should be doing this? Uh, and, you know, one of the things that we talk about gambling, I'll just make my first point about gambling. One of the problems with gambling is it's addictive. It gets control of you. And and the scriptures tell us we should not be brought under the control or power of anything. Paul said that. To illustrate how addictive it likely is, since sports gambling has become legal in Tennessee, I'm hearing ads on the radio all the time. So here's here's a, a ball game. Bet a dollar. Uh, 
so if your team wins two, there's only two. Well, there's only two options. One or the other. One or the other. Of these two teams is going to win. If you're bet a dollar, if your team wins, you make a hundred. How could the people who run in that operation? How could they possibly get ahead making an offer like that? Well, well because they're drawing you in. They're, they're they're trying to get you addicted to yeah. the to the activity. Well, that's right. And if it is addictive, we would also have to conclude, and you're going to get to this, I'm sure, that covetousness has a lot to do with that. Exactly. The reason why it is so addictive is it, it is covetousness. Um, I think it's I think it's real important to have a good definition of what constitutes gambling because some people, you know. Now, I'm going to tell you, you pull out on the highway out here, you're taking a gamble, someone says. Yeah. You know, so sometimes we use the word gamble as a synonym for a risk. And it's not, that's not an adequate definition of gambling. You are taking a risk, that's for sure, when you pull on the highway, but yeah. it's not the equivalent of gambling. Right. Okay. So there, there are some things that are required before a thing becomes, I think, by definition, a gambling event. That it has, there has to be something that is uncertain, an uncertain outcome of, of an activity, some uncertain outcome. You have to put something up. You have to put up a stake. That's what they usually call it, S-T-A-K-E. You put up a stake. It, it could, it, it's it getting could, hungry there for a <laughs> It could be anything of value. It, it, could, it most often is money, but, you know. I might bet my car against your car that I could beat you in a drag race. You know, so you can, anything of value, something of value, typically it's money, but it wouldn't have to be money. And then, real importantly, in order for something to be categorized as gambling, there has to be a winner and a loser. And so you and I both put up a stake when we, when we made this g- gambling proposition. If I win, I get your money. You lose. If you win, you get my money, I lose. But there has to be a winner and a loser before a thing becomes a gambling proposition. So uh, that's what gambling is. And the reason why it's sinful is, first of all, as we said, it's addictive. Uh, Paul, that passage I was referencing earlier is 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12, where Paul said, I will not be brought under the power of anything. Uh, but uh, gambling is addictive. There's just no doubt about it. Uh, Horace Livings, here's a quote from a book called The Science of Chance by a fellow named Horace Livingston. He said, quote, gamblers gamble as lovers love, as drunkards drink, inevitably, blindly, under under the dictates uh, of, a, of a vicious force. Wow. So you know, he, he said it, he that guy, and he wasn't speaking from a biblical perspective. He was just saying, from a this world perspective, it is an addic- an addictive thing. I think most of our listeners probably know there is something, there is an organization called Gamblers Anonymous, mm-hmm. like Alcoholics Anonymous, or for those who are addicted to drinking. Gamblers Anonymous is is for those who are uh, addicted to gambling. And, you know, a lot of times when, on the radio we hear we hear ads for the Tennessee Lottery. At the end of that ad, do you notice they always say, play responsibly? Yeah, or if you've got a gambling problem, call this uh, number. Yeah, they even give a number for people with a gambling problem. Exactly it right. Is a, it is so a problem. So it's addictive. It's covetous. And we've already co- we already co- covered covetousness, but if if what we said about covetousness is true, then gambling is certainly driven by covetousness, and therefore that makes it sinful. A couple of other things: it violates the principles of brotherly love and and the so-called golden rule: do as to others as you'd have others do to you. If I'm a gambler. I want to have. I want to take what you have. In other words, I do not want you to succeed. I want you to fail because when you fail, I win, and I want to take what you what you uh, have. And so uh, it, it's clearly a, a violation. Someone called gambling stealing by consent. I'm going to take what's yours, but you agreed yep. to let me. You yep. agreed to let me take what is yours. Yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, someone said gambling. Is stealing, stealing by consent, 
gambling is stealing in the same way that dueling is murder. You know, think about we don't we don't hear too much about duels these days, but think back in the time when men would engage in a dueling contest. Yeah. One of those guys, maybe both, but at least one of them is going to end up dead. Mm-hmm. But he agreed to it. He agreed to be killed when he agreed to enter into the duel. Yeah. Well, when I agree to gamble, I'm agreeing to let people steal what's mine. Yeah. So it's stealing by consent. Yeah. Uh, it's bad stewardship. Another argument against gambling, a reason why it's sinful. It's bad stewardship. Uh, there was a fella uh, by the name of John W. Betamillion Gates. So his name was John Gates, but they called him Betamillion Gates. He was famous for playing bridge at $1,000 per point. He played poker with $50,000 stakes. But his end result was don't gamble, don't bet on cards, don't bet on horse races, don't throw dice. The reason why? He died broke back in 1911. He was betting those kind of stakes in 1911. Over 100 years ago. Wow. That was way up there in the mud. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, Another argument, why is gambling a sin? It violates the the authorized means for the transfer of money or property. So the, the Bible actually authorizes how we should gain money or or sell or trade goods. You can you can work. Uh, uh, Ephesians four verse twenty eight says we should labor. So work is an authorized means of gaining money. Exchange. You can sell. Remember when the early disciples had a need, they sold property and contributed the goods to the care of the needy saints. So you can you can work, you can engage in commerce or exchange. You can get, you can receive things as a gift. You might you might get money or things of value by a gift. But as best I can tell, those are the only three ways biblically that you that you can acquire money or or material things gambling is not any of those so it's it's an unauthorized activity at a minimum and then it 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 certainly gambling is associated with all kinds of other sins you know uh, organized crime obviously historically has been highly involved in gambling so it's 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 it gambling keeps bad company i guess we could say all right brian in california is on the same page here he says games of chance are antithetical to being a good steward of what god has entrusted us to or exactly. to us, I believe. Exactly. And I thank you, Brian, for that. It, stewardship is a big deal. Uh, God, when God gives us blessings, He expects us to use them in responsible ways. Um, and uh, Brian makes good points there. Yeah. All right, uh, Dwight in Iowa. We got time for him quickly. He says, "Yes, whether it is just playing the lottery, or a raffle, or at the casino, gambling leads to deeper covetousness and also different types of sin." Going to the casinos promotes the use of alcohol, smoking, and spending your money you may not have, putting you and your family in dire straits. Ephesians 4.28 says, Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. We as Christians need to work with our hands to make an honest living. Proverbs 12, verse 11 says, He who tills his land will be satisfied with bread, but he who follows frivolity is devoid of understanding. Good passages there. Dwight, thank you for those. And Mohan says, gambling like playing the lottery is a sin since it shows our love for money and getting it the easy way rather than working for it. Invest it. Okay, we haven't got to the second part of that. Okay, let's let's cover the investing question right after we do our bullet point break. So I think we've, we've nailed down the gambling question. A lot more can be said about it, but gambling is certainly sinful. Uh and by the way, we would we would argue gambling is gambling is a sin, and it's not determined by the degree. In other words, if if we went out and started pitching pennies, you know, like like kids used to do, you know, see who can get their penny closest. I can throw my penny closer to the wall than you can throw your penny, and if my penny is closer than your penny, I get your penny. That it's a form of gambling. It's just for pennies. It's still gambling. It is, so gambling is not determined by amount or degree. Okay, we'll get a break. When we get back, the stock market, what do you think? Send in your comments in the chat room during this break. Uh, you can just say yes or no. Is, gam- is investing in the stock market the equivalent of gambling? 
But anyway, we're back right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks us. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the virtual Bible study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the virtual Bible study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Our bullet point this week comes from the pen of Jerry Frost. Most of our unhappiness is produced by the gross sin of ingratitude. Self-pity is what it is often called. Anything we do not like, anything that is against our wishes, makes us miserable if we are consumed by selfishness. It is quite striking that many of those who were so miserable as to commit suicide were blessed with looks, talent, wealth, and even fame. They quit on themselves and on life, not because no one needed them, but because they magnified their miseries and ignored their blessings. The antidote to this kind of misery is to reverse the process. Forget yourself. Jesus said, deny yourself, Matthew 16, verse 24. Help someone who needs some help. Magnify your blessings and remember that all your problems, all of them, are temporary. We are made for eternity. What a blessing. Thank God for the great hope we have in Jesus and for the blessings of the common day. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more at thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com. And we say it every week, Kyle, but uh, they really ought to be checking out that YouTube page. Yeah, which obviously some really good lessons, uh, a really uh, informational lesson about uh, marriage on Wednesday nights. It's I think young people need to watch it. It's a good, uh, it's a good study. Yeah, it makes you look good. What? What does Kyle does? Oh, Kyle makes you look good. Okay. He makes well, you look good. Well. I don't know about that. That's that may be a number statement. That's the CGI we got going. There. What's that? What's CGI? I don't know that. The computer graphics, you know. The, oh, you, know. You, you doc? Are you put a little filter on that? <laughs> I don't know. Check him out. College you live stream on YouTube. All right, we're talking about uh, money tonight. All right, so real quickly, as a follow up to the question about gambling, I I have many times heard people say, well. Investing in the stock market is gambling. So, I mean, if you're going to say all gambling is wrong, then you 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 better not be investing in the stock market. I disagree. I don't think that regular, ordinary stock market investing is gambling. Going back to the definition that we offered earlier, in order for a thing to be a gambling event, there has to be a winner and a loser. And so if I invest in stock and and several other people do and that the value of that stock goes up, we all win. Nobody loses. I'm not taking somebody else's money because the stock went up in value. So it, it, that form of investing is not gambling. Now, uh, during the break, we were talking that there are probably some of the kind of games that people play with with stocks and investing in stocks that might, I think, potentially be uh, gambling. I don't even understand very well all those kind of tricks they play with. But selling short, you know, uh, somebody somebody might do that. Uh, and I, I'm going to be careful not even try to explain that, but I imagine a lot of our listeners know what short selling of stocks is. That may come pretty close to a form of gambling. The other thing that was mentioned during the break is that we really got to be careful about covetousness there, but that—that's that, maybe that's the the, that, the governor that we need to think about. Is yeah, am I, am I that may or may not. I mean, that yeah. doesn't really have, uh, address the question of whether it's gambling. But if I'm if <laughs> if it is being promoted by covetousness, it's wrong yeah, yeah. regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Did All we right. get any comments on that? Yeah. Do I, uh, Mohan says investing is not gambling since it is helping a company for them to get a profit for their business and it helps us also for our savings. Yeah. So again, he, his point is there's no loser in standard, typical stock market investing. Unless you take my advice, then there's losers. <laughs> yeah. Which right. yeah, there's there actually is 
a stock right now. I think is there's there's company models that are going out of style. There's one I'm not going to mention the name of the company, but right now in this time, the company itself is not feasible. But there are it's but people are, can manipulate the stock. So people are manipulating can manipulate that's, that's a form of covenants and gambling, and that's could be sinful. So we need yeah, to make sure that yeah. you're being careful about you have an investment you. If you invest in a company, you actually come say you believe in that company. So, so don't play games, in other words. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, that, yeah. There's there's some there's some real uh, nuances there that we're not able to cover here. But uh, uh, I I just think when we think of stock market, you know, I'm going to buy X number of dollars in General Motors. You know, you want that company to succeed. And so I want and and if it does, and all of us who bought General Motors stock, it all goes up. And so nobody loses in an event like that. All right. Except for Ford. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, Next question. Remember what Jesus told the rich young ruler? Luke 18, verse 22. Sell all that thou hast and distribute to the poor. Yep. He told that to the rich young ruler. I'm supposed to be doing what Jesus said, right? So would would that be applicable to us? Should we sell all that we have? Distribute to the poor. Is it, in other words, is it wrong for me to have some money? Is it wrong for me to have a little nest egg, as they call it? Uh, can I can I hold wealth, or you know, should it be that all of us as Christians sell everything we have and live communally? Some of some of historically have tried to do that. It's always failed when they did. But uh, should what about? wealth can we possess wealth well there's two verses that i look at to answer that question first one is first corinthians chapter 13 first corinthians chapter 13 verse 3 and paul's talking in hyperbole here about the 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 necessity for love and even though if he had enough faith in verse 2 that he could move mountains and he didn't have love he's nothing in verse 3 and though I bestow my goods, all my goods, to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity or love, it profits me nothing. So Paul was using hyperbole. He said, if I sold everything and gave it to the poor and I didn't have love, then it wouldn't be worth anything. But Paul is not saying that he had done that. He obviously hadn't done that. He said, if I went to the extreme of selling all that I had and I didn't have love, then I, it would be worth nothing. So Paul still had physical possessions is what I'm saying. He hadn't yeah. sold all that yeah. he had. I think that's right. Uh, that St. Paul in 1 Timothy 6 said, verse 17, charge them that are rich in this world that they give up, give away everything. No. He said, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. So I, I think it's, it's I think it is very noteworthy there that he didn't say you got to give up all your money now you're going to have to give up all your money he said no use your money effectively and so we, we know we know that there were Christians of the first century time group Philemon for instance apparently was a, a, a Christian who possessed wealth uh, and there were others so. Uh, the idea that you can't have wealth is not, that's not taught in the scriptures. But it, it, again, the, the counterbalance to that is the question about covetousness. Where are your priorities? Uh, stewardship and how are you using what you have? But uh, again, the idea of having some wealth is not condemned in the scriptures. If the idea of following Jesus' instruction to the rich young ruler is a little bit of a gut check, though, maybe. You might need to check that uh, attitude you have towards your possessions. Maybe you are guilty of covetousness, like that rich young ruler, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, the, the the I think probably the key to understanding that was that Jesus knew this young man's heart, uh, and so uh, Jesus could perceive his heart, which we're not able to do. Jesus knew, so contextually, this is not a command for all. It was a command specifically for that young man because Jesus saw the heart problem he had. Yeah, but you can't you can't read my heart, but I know my heart. Yeah. And so I know that if that uh, instruction would give me pause and uh, maybe 
I would not be willing to do that for for what for Jesus, then maybe I've got a problem with my possessions. I've put them in a, in a spot that they shouldn't be. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and so again, we may you know we may be uh, more like the rich young ruler than we want to admit. Exactly. In Mark in Mark's account, Mark ten, uh, it says in verse twenty one, Jesus beholding him loved him. And said, one thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor. Thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. So I think uh, I think you'd be misapplying the, the, the teaching of that situation, that exchange, to say that, that all of us must sell everything we have and give to the poor. He was talking to that fella specifically, and it's, you know it was because he loved him and saw he had this heart problem. All right. That's what uh, Mohan says. No, Jesus knew the rich young ruler's specific situation, that he loved his goods more than God. Yeah. And Dwight says, in light of what Jesus said, uh, no, uh, he said, no, the problem was his attitude towards the money he had. He trusted in his riches. The love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, First Timothy 6, verse 10. Okay. So, all right. Good. All right, next question from Romans 13, verse 8. Romans 13, verse 8 says, Owe no man anything. Mm. So is is that a condemnation of incurring debt at all? In other words, I mean, hey, can you, can you loan me 20 bucks tonight so I can buy some gas and get home? I don't know. And that so, worked out uh, too good for me in the past with okay. you. Okay. So it could be that. I mean, yeah. oh, no, man, anything. But yeah. and, and that might be the first kind of thing that comes up. But if you think about it, what about a home mortgage? Buy a house? Take out a mortgage on a house? That's a debt. What about maybe buying a car and making payments on a car? You you have incurred debt. Uh, uh, what about... What about using a charge card and running up a balance on your charge card statement? You know, there's a lot of ways to incur debt. You know, if you read statistically about household debt in America, how much the average household owes, uh, there's a lot of debt floating around. Yeah. So is it wrong? Well, uh, I, I think my answer to that would would be along the lines of, so I I, I I took out a mortgage on my house, and it probably, for most of us, I would guess that a mortgage on a house is probably the biggest debt we ever incur. So it's an enormous debt compared to, you know, other things we might do. But if you stop and think about it, if so, um, let's say my house payment is due on the first of every month. If I pay, if I paid my house payment on the first of June. Here we are on the 17th. If you ask the bank, does is he owing you anything? Their answer would be no. He's paid up. He doesn't owe us. And so although although there's still a balance on the mortgage, I I am not uh, so in other words, I, I, I we have a contract and agreement and I'm paying in accordance with that contract and agreement. And the bank themselves would say, no, he is not. He is not owing us at yeah. this point. Yeah. Um, well, um, exactly. Uh, let's, let's, here's what we got from our listeners, and then we got some more things to talk about that. But uh, in light of the, uh, the Good Samaritan incurred debt in helping a complete stranger in Luke 10, 33 through 35. Okay, uh, so remember... Uh, when the Good Samaritan left the injured man at the inn, <clears throat> he paid some money, and but he said, "If if the, more is owed, I'll pay thee when I return." <clears throat> and so he he suspected that the bill might be more than the money he left to cover it, which would have been a debt. Uh, so I think Dwight's point there is the Good Samaritan potentially incurred a debt. Put it on. Put it, in other words, <coughs> bill me. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Mohan says, having debt we cannot pay back is wrong, but sometimes in the case of a mortgage or college expenses, all the money is not available right away to pay for it, and the expenses need to be spread out. <coughs> the school should do a better job when talking about student loans to students to make sure they know that they are what they are getting into, since there have been horror stories of students getting into a lot of debt and not being able to find a job in their field. Bankrupt. Okay, so he says he says not necessarily uh, wrong. Yeah, I I, th- I think that, so. I, I think the key is. You know, if if you if you took a loan, but made an agreement to pay it, and were paying based upon the agreement that you made, that you that you're not therefore in a in a a debt situation that would be condemned by scriptures. You're you're not you're not. It's kind of funny because Romans thirteen eight says, "Oh no man anything," but technically, if you're paying on schedule, you do not owe anything beyond what you have already paid. But there are some very important considerations about incurring debt that we need to think about in light of what we've said already on the program tonight. There is a lot of debt that is incurred to fuel the sin of covetousness. So I want this really nice new car, Mm -hmm. and I don't have the money to buy it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to indebt my... I'm I'm going to take on an indebtedness about that car... It's probably way more than I can even legitimately expect to be able to pay on time, but it's all driven by covetousness. Yeah. And can you imagine a credit card commercial touting their credit card and all the easy money, and at the very end of it, you know, like they do on prescriptions, they've got the the guy talking fast in sort of a hushed voice. Can you imagine at the end of a credit card the the announcer reading Hebrews 13, verse 5, but let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. They want you to be covetous. Yeah, so we've got to be careful. I mean, not all debt is not sin, but if it's being used to fuel things that are sinful or attitudes that are sinful, we've got to be careful of that. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, let's talk about that bankruptcy question. And then we're going to wrap up the hour talking about what would a budget, financial budget, look like if we based it on scriptural principles. Ooh, going to get personal. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A Gallup poll found that 47% of surveyed Americans view abortion as morally acceptable. By contrast, 46% of surveyed Americans said they believe that abortion is morally wrong which is 10 percentage points less than the 56% of respondents who said so in 2009. That information is via the Christian Post. The Word of God says in Proverbs 6, beginning verse 16, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in the study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to to us in his word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So that's what the virtual Bible study is all about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks again for joining us tonight, and we we'll hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. Going to the top of the hours, we talk about money on the virtual Bible study tonight, and um, we're going to get into the idea of uh, a budget or yeah. bankruptcy <clears throat> first, though. Let's talk about, we were just talking about incurring debt. Uh, obviously, I think a, a point that you have to cover uh, is well, what about bankruptcy? What if I got so far in debt and was really having trouble paying back what I had borrowed? Would it be reasonable to declare bankruptcy? <clears throat> well, I'm not a bankruptcy expert on, at, at all, and so s- somebody might 
point out something wrong that I said about this, but my understanding is that there's a couple different kinds of bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that a Chapter 13 bankruptcy, we hear, you know, Chapter 13, Chapter 7, Chapter 13 is is a, a, a court-administered uh, settlement wherein they give you more time to pay what you owe. In other words, I owed this last year, and I didn't get it paid. And, and so now I'm, I'm in a bankruptcy situation, but what I'm asking for is to be given enough time to pay it off. Uh, I, I could see where that would be reasonable. You know, no, Basically, all you're asking is for a court decree that would uh, give you the time to pay what you owe. Restructure the debt for you. Yeah, so restructuring, you hear that word too. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think a a Chapter 7 bankruptcy uh, is wherein you just say, I can't pay, I'm never going to be able to pay, I won't pay. And, And so you go through that kind of bankruptcy and the debt is just wiped out. In other words, the people that you owed money to end up with, Nothing. Nothing. They lost because you declared that form of bankruptcy against them. I could see, I could reasonably see the first, but I don't, I can't reasonably see the second kind of bankruptcy. So again, I'm not an expert on bankruptcy, but I, I think you have to be careful. Maybe, uh, I, I think the tendency of some Christians would be to, to declare all bankruptcy is wrong and sinful. Maybe not. Be a little bit careful about painting with a broad brush there because there may be some forms of bankruptcy that are not. And I think there's also uh, some involuntary bankruptcies. In other words, I'm, I'm, I'm determined I'm going to try to pay you, Jay. I'm, I'm paying you everything that I can, but you could take me to court and force me to declare bankruptcy so that so it, it wouldn't probably be between two people so much but maybe if i'm owing a corporation some money uh they might want me to declare bankruptcy so they can write that off of their books and, and take, the take, loss. take a tax loss yeah. you know so there might there might be some forms of involuntary bankruptcy and so i mean if it's out of your power then i don't you know you can't do anything you can only do what you can do and you can't do anything about that yeah here's what our listener said dwight says uh not sure how to answer i'm definitely not in favor of it someone is going to have to eat the cost of your debt and then uh mohan's a little more affirmative he says uh bankruptcy is sin since you're not paying what you owe yeah well and i think that's the so that that's sort of the easy way to look at it, but I I do think maybe it, it is a little more involved than that, and so you know I think maybe we just need to be careful about again painting with a broad brush on that question. Okay, um, all right, all right. So we got one last question, and we ask, what would a budget based on scriptural principles look like? What do you think about that, Jacob? Well, I think you're sort of getting meddling in my own business here, buddy. Oh yeah. Well, uh, well, there's. A, I think you could set up some priorities and um, and maybe put some things in order. Okay, uh, I got one here. Uh, here's one that I think might fit the bill as a a biblically based budget. Okay, hit me. <clears throat> what do you think is first on the list? That would be my commitment to God. Right, giving to the Lord. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think a lot of Christians do that, and I think that needs to be right off the top. Because if I don't do that, well, then I, I, I go on this expensive vacation or I buy that new car I've been craving. I let my covetousness get a hold of me. Mm-hmm. And then I don't have anything left to give to the Lord because I already spent everything on me that I want, and I don't have anything. So... <clears throat> If we have our priorities in order, the Lord should be first in all things. And so our, our giving, uh, our, our contribution to the Lord, uh, to his church, to the work that's being done, that ought to be at the top of our priority list. Now, we don't even have time to discuss the question of tithing. You know, that question always comes up because it's, it's, it's people, even people who don't know much about the Bible know the concept of tithing. 
And then you get guys like Dave Ramsey, a financial guru on the radio, who tells everybody, you know, that they got to be tithing. New Testament doesn't teach tithing. Uh, I, I always like the answer that the preacher gave when someone says, are, are we required to give a tithe? And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. He says, you can give a lot more than that. Uh, and, and I think that's a pretty good answer. So we, we should give. Maybe sometimes I can't give as much. Maybe the circumstances are that I can't give even 10%. There's a lot of other times when I can give considerably more than that and should. So, But that needs to be first consideration. And anything that I would do that follows, if it takes away from my ability to do that, then I need to reprioritize. Okay. So, obviously, giving to the Lord. Then necessities, food, clothing, shelter. First uh, uh, Timothy chapter 5, verse 8 says, If a man provide not for his own, he is denied to faith and is worse than an infidel. Providing for your own would be providing the basic necessities of life. But now that's going to require some budgeting because I've got to make sure that my expenses allow me to do what First Timothy 5, verse 8 says. If I've got other things in my budget that are keeping me from providing what my family needs, then I've denied the faith. Yeah. So here's a guy, and uh, his his passion, his hobby is uh, tournament bass fishing. Yeah. Yeah. He's never won a tournament, but but he just keeps wanting to get the next best thing. You know those bass fishermen, they have they have all kinds of gadgetry and those big boats with those huge motors that go 80 miles an hour, uh, and he's got to have one. But he he's he is he's causing his family to not have their needs because his budget's out of whack. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so the necessities have to come in there. Obligations, things that we promise to pay, because as we said, a Christian should pay his debts. So uh, so I'm going to. I want to give to the Lord. I'm going to meet my necessities. I'm going to pay for the things, the obligations that I have incurred. And then I'm going to add in savings, some savings. Uh, so since, that, we've, since we learned in the first question or that uh, or the third question that it's okay to save, you're saying yeah. we should save. Yeah, uh, because, uh, I, you know, the, the idea that I ought to be uh, – should not be such a person that I have to be a burden on others. I'm trying to think of a passage here just off the top of my head. Should have thought about this sooner. First uh, Thessalonians 4, verse 11. Study to be quiet, to do your own business, to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that you may have that you may walk honestly toward them that are without and that you may have lack of nothing. Yeah. Uh, Paul in Second Thessalonians uh, chapter three verse ten, you know, uh, he that when we were with you, this we commanded that if any would not work, neither should he eat. In other words, I, I should I should not I should make it a goal not to be a burden on others. It may happen, uh, you know, unavoidably, but not by design, and so. That that I think would would dictate that I should have some money set back because you know if I get hurt can't work something else happens you know I I shouldn't yeah I, I sh- if, if I'm just living paycheck to paycheck then all I have to do is miss one paycheck and suddenly somebody else is is going to be burdened with taking care of me yeah, yeah. so savings I think can okay. go in there okay benevolence sharing with another another thing on this priority list this budget benevolence yeah sharing you know you said earlier the bible has a whole lot to say about money and it does it has a whole lot to say about benevolence too sure does and i think yeah. as as people who are blessed like we are we we need to make that a budget priority to be benevolent. Yeah, and that's Ephesians 4:28 i think that uh, Dwight referenced let him that stole still no more but let him labor work with his hands why that he may have to give to give to him that needeth. So yeah. that needs to be in my my budget. Yeah. You know, it's possible for me to sign up for every payment there is right down to the last penny of my income, and then I wouldn't have any room for benevolence. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then on my on my budget, the last thing there's extras. So if I if I if I've hit all those marks in my budget, and and if I have a little extra, then maybe I can do something extra. 
But the extras should come last, not first. And that's the problem with a lot of people. They they want the extras at the top of the list. Mm-hmm. All right. Good uh Good point. Oh, we're out of time. We Quickly. are out of time. Dwight uh, says, uh, I believe a budget based on how biblical principles would be remembering the Lord and all he's done for us, not living above our means, to where we could not give back as we've been prospered. Um, and uh, he said, we Take need care of family. Take for, care of family. First Timothy 5.8. Uh, if we live above our means and not able to give back to the Lord to take care or care for our family, we are going against what God wants from us. Exactly good right. Good point. All right. Good uh, comments from our listeners tonight. A good discussion, an important discussion. Um, we've got to be on guard uh, about our attitude towards money. We've got to make sure that we're being good stewards and using our money like God would have us to. Yeah, exactly right. Kyle, any comments from you? Uh, that was a good study. I think it's uh, we have to be good stewards of our money and make sure that we're putting it to use can properly. I, can I borrow a dollar, Kyle? <laughs> oh, well, sure. That's, okay. Yeah. All right. We'll talk really about that later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for the discussion tonight, Dad. Appreciate your thanks, time. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for joining us. Hope you benefited from our study discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life. Study His inspired Word of the Bible and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.